This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your co-host Nabil Mahmood from Kona, Hawaii. This is your co-host Philip Koblenz from Montclair, New Jersey. Well, Phil, it's just you and I, mid-year. Oh, my God. Just the two of us. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just the two that, of us. Is there, are there other words to that song? I don't even know. I, I don't know. I think that's where it started and that's where it ended for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we've had a lot of great people on the podcast over the last three and a half years now. We've had a few personal experiences as well along the way. So... I wanted to just take this opportunity to recap as to where we are at and what are some of the future goals for us as individuals and as the foundation. Sounds like a good so plan. Let's share our journey. <laughs> I mean, the whole premise of starting the podcast, and we get this question asked quite a bit, was really demystify technology for the younger generation. Yeah. There's no question, demystify technology, but just humanize our industry, which is so faceless or has been so faceless. And it's run by people, people that accidentally got into this industry because it didn't exist. Well, 99% of the people are falling into this industry purely by an accident. So foundationally, I mean, the challenge that we have had is that it's not easy to get into. Plus, there isn't much of an awareness. I mean, everybody uses the application stack from TikTok to YouTube to Facebook and uber right but nobody ever questions how it's made and how it works absolutely i think the thing that resonates the most is when people of our generation i can't believe i'm old enough to refer to myself as a generation when people of our generation got into our industry by accident it was because it didn't exist previously so it was impossible to do it any other way now people get into our industry by accident because they take for granted that it exists they're people in their 20s and even now getting into their 30s were born when the internet was just a thing that they had, when phones were more than just the things that we had to suffer through to talk to our grandparents. And then we back to playing outside. Remember playing outside? That was a thing. Yeah, that's, um, that's a dream now. <laughs> so that, that is what you have to, you have basically <laughs> used the technology as a bargaining chip to say, go play outside for 15 minutes, then you can go game. Okay, fine. We'll go outside and get fresh air. Parents, gross. Yeah, who does that? And that was back in Stone Age, Dad, Mom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so going back, we get asked this question quite a bit. Why did we start this? So there was this one element of demystifying technology, encouraging the younger generation and also enabling people that are currently in transition, whereby we are going to see, and we have already started to see, a significant shrinkage in under industries around us. Right. Take healthcare, take just your food and beverage, take hospitality. As an example, there is a significant shortage that anybody should be able to see at a high level. Because and it's only going to accelerate. Yeah, now, now, exactly. now you have like AI looking to disrupt all sorts of positions within these organizations where it's going to be more and more difficult to fly under the radar and just keep your job in a particular, no matter what vertical you're in. When ChatGPT or Google's version of it, Bard, can do 90% of your job for you. So you have to figure out how are you going to evolve as a person within your careers and beyond. 
Yeah. So that's really some of the core drivers behind us starting the podcast and sharing these trials and tribulations and how people learn and what made them them. What, what were the drivers for them to come into our space and be those change agents and define this industry? So at the bottom of our hearts, I mean, it's really a lot of passion uh, to create that awareness and leave this place a better place. And we've found it for the next generation. I think it's, of course, that's what we want. There's no question about it. But I think it's also an opportunity for us to kind of, it's a vehicle for us, obviously, as the hosts of this platform and for our guests to share the kind of unspoken things that they've come across in their journeys. And I think what we have not necessarily forced them to do, because it's not something that we have ultimate control over, but when asking questions about someone's journey, as opposed to asking questions about someone's business, you start peeling that onion in a way where they are articulating elements of their journey that they don't necessarily talk about in their regular lives because they're still living it. And it, it has provided, I think, a platform for people to take this kind of 30,000 foot view of their own careers, of their own lives, and find ways to articulate things that they would not otherwise have been able to articulate. And what we've learned in many of these cases have been profound. And I think those lessons to the younger generation, to people that are transitioning in their careers and to a certain extent transitioning out of military service and what have you, I think those lessons that are fundamentally not technological are lessons that these people have learned through their life experiences and then using those life experiences to create careers and, and to help people evolve, I think is tremendous. Of course, I'm not necessarily a credible source. I think our platform is spectacular, but I think there is a uniqueness to how we present ourselves, the stories that we're trying to extract out of the people that come on to the podcast that transcend just technology and give a real window into these really fascinating journeys and personal evolutions, how they dovetail into career growth. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like you said earlier, it's about humanizing the industry and sharing those trials and tribulations. One thing that just hit me hard was what you just said. It's about continuous education. Yeah. Anybody and everybody that we have actually interacted with and or brought to the forefront on our platform, they didn't go to college for any of this. It's been on the job learning, it's collaborating and socializing with the peers and defining the industry. And that's the cool thing about what we do for a living, that our industry is changing so quickly. There's this buzz of chat GBT, and that's going to even enhance how fast the world is going to change that we live in, that you've got to be able to, and you have to be willing to learn on the go. There's no college degree that will ever, ever, ever match up. But I think that's the thing that it's kind of difficult to pinpoint. I think when people think of education, continuing education, you think of this very formalized kind of structure where you have a teacher and a chalkboard and textbooks and you're reading all these things. And that's what you think of through education. And I think what we're trying to do is kind of pivot that a little bit into the way you learn things like if you learn to cook from your grandmother or you learn to cook from your mother or, or father or whatever, just these life skills that you pick up along the way that define who you are. And if you take that element of it and strip out the formality of education and think of it more as evolution, where you're just trying to find your way in the world, you're trying to find the pathway through your career, you're trying to find where the you-ness of it is so unique 
We had that woman from Uber that came onto the podcast earlier in the season. She was like a high person at Uber. You'll look it up and we'll re-reference her name in a second. But we talked about this concept with the gig economy where people start looking at themselves as the commodity and their outlook and their problem solving and critical thinking abilities is the true commodity that they're doing, no matter where they are in their careers, no matter what company they work for, it's their perception of what they're doing that is the real value. And that's something that no matter what, ChatGPT or BARD or artificial intelligence, or as you like to call it, actionable intelligence cannot replicate. It's that zeitgeist. It's that special thing. The way you look at the world is not the way anybody else looks at the world. And I think introducing that into career growth, into career evolution, especially in an industry as young as ours, where you can have the fulfillment from actually knowing that whatever you're doing is going to be impactful and you're not just churning out spreadsheets and you're not just creating paper to shuffle around is incredibly rewarding. It is. Yeah. So I think, I mean, not to toot our own horn, I think that's the, the appropriate word or the phrase for it, but I feel that we are making a difference. Our voice is being heard to a degree. And one of the greatest things that has really come forth after all of this, and it's become a relatively large task and undertaken before we really started, is the fact about taking corrective actions. And it's almost two years now, and we will talk about that just in a bit. Some of the life-changing experiences that you and I had about two years ago, whereby we did not want to be like everybody else to just talk about it and this being a checkbox for us as individuals, as companies, but we wanted to be the change agents that are driving the change. Hence the reason why we converted this whole initiative into a foundation and a hundred percent philanthropy effort. Uh, and we are going to be launching the online academy this year, uh, which is going to be available and accessible to anybody and everybody uh, free of cost. And uh, the idea really is to address the human capital deficit. The idea is to identify people in underserved communities around the world and give them an opportunity. And that's really exciting, but it's a massive undertaking. And I've, I've realized as we started the journey that it's much bigger than what I thought it would be. And uh, of course it comes with a little bit of resistance from the conventional educators, whereby they don't want to change the system. The educators, and I probably might get a lot of negative bashing on this and that's okay because it doesn't really matter. The educator is not in the business of educating the next generation. They're in the business of making money. And what we want to do as a foundation is genuine. It's with passion. And it's about ensuring that who we're going to leave this place to uh, is smart enough and does not become a perfect definition of idiocracy, the movie. I don't, reference. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go as far as to say that educators are collectively in the business of, of making money. I know plenty of teachers that are probably not teaching because it was the most <laughs> well, a profitable way, but certainly the administrators, the private colleges, the for-profit universities and whatnot are not necessarily making moves that are in the best interest of their matriculated students in terms of preparing them for the future. I think that it's it's true. If you look at how much it costs to go to university and what value you get out of it in terms of your productivity level, there's a disconnect there. There's no question about it. I don't want anyone to take that as suggesting that teachers themselves are in it just to make money because they are certainly not. And 
I totally agree with that and I apologize <laughs> if I might have offended a teacher somewhere. I know um, the teachers are undefended, particularly totally in this country. But I think we are in a unique position within our industry because we've been in it as long as it exists. We are rare breeds in that we have fairly outgoing personalities, which are unique to our industry. So the way I look at the foundation is sort of as the connective tissue of all of the thought leaders, this ecosystem of just the people that know about our industry better than anyone else and making those people available, making that knowledge available, whether through the academy or otherwise, to the existing academic system, whether that be through leveraging the lesson plans and the digestible knowledge nuggets, if you call it, I think I could coin that phrase, knowledge nuggets that that we're going to make available as part of a traditional K through 12 curriculum, as part of STEAM education, where if teachers in those positions don't necessarily have the, the training, the expertise in the foundational elements of, of the internet and the infrastructure that powers our digital world. You can tell I've been doing this elevator pitch a lot. It's access to that information. It's also access to a full-scale ecosystem of partners where we can schedule field trips and access to actual data centers that house the applications that kids use on a daily basis so that they are given contextualized access to why the stuff that they're using works. When you connect to Minecraft or you connect to Google Classroom, it actually goes to, in many cases, a windowless room that's probably not that far from where the actual classroom is that is connected via a string of wires. And you have a captive audience in K through 12 education that are fascinated by technology, but just don't have the tools, do not have the exposure. We've not given them access to the resources where they can understand how it works until they get to the college level or they accidentally stumble upon it or they find their own path to it. But we're losing so much time in that K through 12 area and even beyond where they can be exposed to it and determine whether this is going to be the career that they want, whether we as an industry are going to be able to look to that generation to take us into the future, or they're simply going to be better consumers of technology, which I think helps both as vendors who have customers that consume technology and as customers that are not going to, like I constantly say on the podcast and our talks, turn into like Neanderthals bashing their screen when the internet doesn't work because they kind of understand how it works. It makes them better problem solvers. It makes them better users of technology. And that's where the demystification comes in and the recognition that these are all human components that are being managed by human beings that exist. It's not the cloud. It's not magical. And before I forget the person who I was referring to earlier, Sarah Keller was who came on our podcast and we talked about understanding that we as humans are the commodity that we're selling as individuals, which is incredibly valuable, an incredibly valuable lesson to learn before you start going into the workforce and, and get beaten down by whatever employer you have. Yeah. So there you go. And just, just to add to that, I think just looking back in time, I mean, my dad used to say that education begins at home. And if you just step back in time, I mean, look at all the trades that were established, like somebody wanting to be a mechanic. I mean, they would work with their parents on a vehicle or somebody wants to be a woodworker or a goldsmith or a blacksmith or whatever. I mean, they got exposure to that very early on. I think foundationally that's been our challenge, like put them into the system with zero guidance. And we have been educating kids on something that hasn't transformed since the second industrial revolution. I keep saying that same darn thing over and over again. I mean, we're in the fourth industrial revolution now, yet we're teaching 
what we taught people in the second industrial revolution. So I really do believe that education begins at home. And I want to applaud the parents that recognize that they, not someone else, must take the responsibility, assure that their children are well-educated and at least given the opportunity and or exposure to get into this space and at least find what they're passionate, what their journey is going to be. There's no question about it. And I said this a lot on the podcast. If you ask my kids what I do for a living, they'll tell you I talk on the phone all day. So I'm the first case of like failed parent in terms of like making sure they understand what I do. But in, inherently, I think the one takeaway is like embrace curiosity. Like if your child is interested in technology, like take it, take it further. Don't be like, get off the screen because it is making your brain into mush, which I say constantly also, and it's true. But if they're actually enjoy technology, like take it one step, how this thing works, why they let's learn together about how all this works. I know a guy that knows a guy that I can get you into a data center. But I think what the academy allows us to do with the understanding that the educational system has not transformed since the second industrial revolution, as you point out, is that the chances of us saying a couple of words and making that massive change happen are limited. But understanding that if we can help work under that framework, work within that dimension, I think parents are needed in order to help not necessarily petition the schools, but get involved with the schools and understand that we as a society, as a community, as an industry, and as parents can interject elements of our careers, elements of what we do for a living into our kids' schooling, which would benefit not just those kids, but the other kids in their class and the kids that come behind them. I think you have an incredible value as a parent. Your voice is heard as a parent in a way that us coming from the outside in and trying to petition the Department of Education or, or an individual school district that we are not a part of. It's nice. You'll get glad handed. You'll get the conversations. But as a parent that's within that school district and we as an industry represent every school district in every country on the planet, if we leverage that value as a parent and say, my industry is underrepresented in the school. It's the way the future. I really think you should work with this organization, that organization. We should try to fundamentally help our kids understand how the internet works because they take for granted that it does. And they are an incredibly, in a way that just keeps on exponentially changing year over year, pandemic or otherwise, dependent upon this, this element of technology. So they should really understand the fundamental reasons why it works. Absolutely. And I look at us as a foundation, as that undercurrent to start this revolution, whereby we are enabling that change. And you can only see that by creating enough awareness and giving people a platform. It's not just about talking. It's about putting resources together and guiding them through the intricacies and the complexities that there are in the current system to a certain degree. And then hopefully the change happens. So... Yeah, it's exciting times. We've got a lot of great plans ahead of us. Uh, not necessarily we're going to spill all the beans over here, but uh, the fact of the matter is that we need your help. We need everyone's help in spreading the word, creating awareness, giving the next generation an opportunity to be better than we are and give them a career path, giving them a reason to do good things. I think that's really the core of the foundation and what we're striving for. So purpose of this podcast really is to reach out to whoever is listening out there and help us join the journey, be the change agent. Don't just follow. This is a perfect opportunity to get into a leadership role in some way, form or shape and define the future. 
for you as individuals, you as companies, and you as parents for the next generation. And we don't have all the answers, right? So I think what we're trying to do, you can call it a revolution, you can call it a movement. I mean, what we're trying to do is become a vehicle to actually do instead of talk, even though I've been told that I talk a lot. You're good. And, yeah. Yeah, it's just what? It's my moneymaker. The mouth. The mouth of my moneymaker. That sounds weird. Anyway, the, I think at the end of the day, what we want is we want the foundation to be the vehicle for which people get involved. And we are open-eared. We are open-minded in terms of what that looks like. And we don't have all the answers and we don't even necessarily have all the ideas of how to do it. We just want to leverage the brand that we've created, leverage the platform that we're creating in order to allow people to follow their passion and share their journeys, share their knowledge and share their leadership with current generations, next generations, et cetera. And I want to take this opportunity to thank you, Phil, for joining me on this journey and being a part of it. I mean, couldn't have done it without you. And sincerely, thank you for your friendship and thank you for being there for me. I mean, it's incredibly personal for both of us because it's strange. I think before we met, there was a lot of you know, kind of going through the motions and we're doing this thing and there's some professional benefits to going to all these conferences and getting out there. And we have in our world, fairly dynamic, although completely opposite personalities, as they say. So I think there is a yin and a yang with us that makes sense, that works and that elicits interest. And if we can use that interest and use that perspective to make some element of difference, they don't have to erect statues of us. Although it'd be nice if anyone's out there is, is, is interested, we're available for proposing. But yeah, it's been a blast. And I'm heartened every time we go to a conference together, every time somebody comes up to me and says, where's Nabil? They're more interested in you than me. But they've heard of us. They've heard of what we're doing. And a lot of that is because we've been able to, I think, touch on something. And whether it's an emotion or a feeling, we've touched on something that resonates. And there's no question I couldn't have done it. Uh, without you. But I think it's a really interesting combination of personalities. If there's ever been a question about whether you can find someone from a completely different walk of life, from a completely different, that took a different path to get to where they are and make something work and find common purpose. I mean, I think we are the poster children for that. Absolutely. So I've got something for you. Some people arrive and make such a beautiful impact on your life. You can barely remember what life was like without them. So I do seriously and sincerely mean that. I mean, you were there two years ago when I went down. And this is right. I was also, I was also, yeah. I, I could be accused of being the reason you went down <laughs> as well. But yes, there's an element of it that's arsonist firefighter. I was there to put out the fire that I may or may not have started. But look, it was, awesome. it's, it did that in my life as well, as you can imagine. Well, on the bright side, I mean, the way I look at it is I could have been in a hotel room somewhere on a stage or been in an airplane. So if it was the right place, the right time. It, it was, and, I mean, if, if, I, I'm not someone right that people. really believes in destiny. Traditionally, I'm not someone that believes in big boogeymen or, or fate or anything like that. But if there was ever a time that I believed in destiny, I mean, we could have, if we were on a different tennis court, if we were in a different place and, and we were supposed to be, and we were cursing the fact that we had to move. If we were anywhere mm -hmm. else, but specifically where we were, on the specific property we were, and if it was two hours earlier and the lifeguards weren't there, any different thing that happened that day would have resulted in absolute catastrophe. And the only reason we're here talking about this is because fate warranted it. 
And that is something that will always impact me because I'm not a hugely spiritual person inherently, but that moment, that day that we shared that we're so lucky to still be talking about was ordained in a way that I don't think anything else in my life has ever been. Indeed. Well, again, thank you. With that said, Any, um, anytime, anytime. <laughs> no, that, that was it, Bill. <laughs> no more. My body can't handle it anymore. But yeah, I think what I want to leave people with is that we've started on this quest. There's a lot to do. This is just the beginning. And we are heading into a data rush era, which is going to be much better than what we have experienced in the past with the gold rush era and everything else that we have experienced. This is changing lives. This is changing the world. And we need your help to leave this planet a better planet than what we found it. Well, the gold rush era was finite. The oil rush era, totally finite. Jerry. We're trying to find alternative energies. Limitless amounts of data are going to be created. And the only factor, the only limiting resource that we have are minds and humans. And AI will take some of that to load. But inevitably, we need the human capital to be able to continue to keep up with the demands for data, which is going to continue to accelerate. And data is one of those fun things that is never, ever, ever deleted, which anybody listening to the podcast will know. If you send an, an angry text to anyone, it will be rubbed in your face at some point in the future. So don't do it. Don't do it. Say the mean words. Don't write them down. Exactly. Yeah, my dad used to tell me, don't put it on paper. Right. Snap, even though Snapchat deletes it after it's sent, it's still Right, right. Somewhere. Oh, I'm sure it's, it's somewhere. Yeah. It's somewhere. <laughs> well, folks, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. This was a media review for us, uh, very near and dear to our hearts. This day is always going to be remembered. Of course, it's my birthday and another birthday. Right. Wow. And, 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 and another birthday after that. And another birthday. So, Phil, thank you for your friendship. Thanks for being a part of this journey and helping drive the change. And my ask to everybody is help us help you. Sounds like Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire pitch. We can't do this without you. And we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing it for everybody. That's and we the, the best Jerry Maguire. Do it with me. Let's all do this together. Love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back, currencies will rebound, businesses will go on, and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.